0: Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are Genesis 43 through 45. Rabbit Trails. As we see Joseph showing such kindness, forgiveness, and even favor to his brothers, it is impossible not to think on how they had treated him. There is a wonderful parallel here in how Joseph treated his brothers and how our Messiah treats us. Yeah, that one is supposed to sting a bit, and it sure does for me. Genesis 44 verses 4 through 5, Joseph's cup is further described as that in which he practices divinations. This is referring to cups in which, quote, qualified people would look into for messages from Egypt's gods. Now, we have no record of Joseph committing adultery against the one true God, so we can possibly infer that this was merely said to help keep up the facade of Joseph being an Egyptian. Note that this is my opinion. I would encourage you to form your own based on your own reading. Wait, committing adultery? Christie, what are you talking about? Actually, that's what Yahweh considers us to be doing when we put other, quote, gods before him. Jeremiah 3 verse 20 is a great starter verse for this rabbit trail, but we will see this throughout the Bible as we continue to read. Genesis 44, verses 33 through 34, Judah's Confession. Here, we see a point in Judah's life wherein he is humbled entirely, essentially begging for forgiveness and help from Joseph, offering himself in place of his brother. At last, a leader is arising. Such a defining moment. Below are more similarities between Joseph and Messiah. This is all part of the pattern of Yahweh and how Scripture, what is dismissively referred to as the Old Testament today, foretells of the wonder of our Messiah. I I found these several places online, and I'm just copying them below. Parallels between Joseph and Messiah. He is the object of his father's special love. He had promises of divine exaltation. He was mocked by his family. He was sold for pieces of silver. He was stripped of his robe. He was delivered up to the Gentiles. He was falsely accused. He was faithful amid temptation. He was thrown into prison. He stood before rulers. His power was acknowledged by those in authority. He saves his rebellious brothers from death when they realize who he is. He is exalted after and through humiliation. He embraces Yahweh's purpose even though it brings him intense physical harm. He is the instrument Yahweh uses at the hands of the Gentiles to bless his people. He welcomed Gentiles to be part of his family. He gives hungry people bread. People must bow their knee before him. There are more parallels. If you're in the fellowship group, let me know what you see in the discussion threads today. We are learning so much, and yet there is still so much to learn. How exciting to know that Yahweh's word is the source of endless wisdom, and what a blessing that we have committed to drinking of that cup together genesis forty five twenty two the special relationship between Joseph and Benjamin recall that Joseph and Benjamin are the only sons of rachel genesis thirty five twenty four and it's clear that Benjamin took joseph's position as favored son after he was gone. Now, it is possible that Joseph's actions honor not only that special bond between him and Benjamin of a shared mother, but a similar devotion to their father as well. In Genesis 45, verses 5 through 8, we read, And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. What an amazing statement to make. We see a wonderful model of forgiveness here where most of us, myself included, would certainly harbor at least some degree of bitterness. Instead, Joseph recognizes that this was all done to bring about the goodwill of the Father and the honored role he has in fulfilling the purpose designated for his life. In this bold, showing compassion, he sets his brothers at ease. It is a stunning moment in which Joseph shows the brothers a level of grace whose only source can be the Father. He has always been a God of grace. Grace has never been a New Testament-only thing. The only reason we've not noticed it in the Old Testament is because we've not read it for ourselves. We were the ones who declared it old to begin with. Do you see how much has been missed? Do you see how much has been purposefully ignored by those who choose to only read a small portion of Yahweh's Word? It is to our great shame that generations have dismissed the words of our Father as irrelevant, harming not only ourselves but our descendants to come as they inherit this folly. If the Bible were telling the story of believers in our time, just as we are reading now of Jacob's children, And as we're about to read of the Israelite people, what would future generations see as our obvious error that we blatantly overlook? It's the same error we will see time and again in the Word. The same error the Father continually reminds us to avoid through His commandments and through His retelling of history. Relying on our own wisdom over that of the Father. This has been human tendency since time began, since the very first falling away in the garden. And each generation looks back on previous ones as they cluck their tongue and shake their head in disapproval for such an obvious error, before marching boldly forward and doing the very same thing, pride making us blind to our own bold sin as we march off a cliff while declaring it solid ground. But now we are here, once again standing on the steadfast foundation of his word. Malachi 3, verses 6-7, through 7, the Father tells us, For I, Yahweh, do not change. Since the time of your ancestors, you have turned from me and not kept my decrees. Return to me, and I will return to you. We are returning. Be encouraged. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. First Thessalonians 5.21 May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.